0: Welcome to The Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to Transition, transform, and evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Hello, everyone,
1: and thank you so much for listening in or viewing here on The Alchemy of Business, where we always are talking about making wiser decisions, creating greater profits in your abundance in life, and also, most importantly to me and many others, is higher purpose. How are we really following our higher purpose and making a difference in the world? Well, the guest we have today is doing that at a very high level, and I'm thrilled to have her on the show. Her name is Lisa Patrick. She is a business strategist. She's also a co-founder of several products and companies, including Belongify. She is a co-author with Hall of Famer Jim Cathcart of Intelligent Curiosity. She's an award-winning podcaster herself and hostess, producer. She's a speaker. She most recently, very well-deserved, honored for just 2022, it's very recent, the Global Guru's Top 30 for her branding expertise. So many of you know branding is crucial. She's going to talk about that. She is always on the lookout to partner with results-driven thought leaders and purpose-driven people who are looking to scale businesses through acquisitions, operations strategic relationships, and marketing. So this is a woman you want to get to know because she knows her stuff. So let's have Miss Lisa Patrick say hello and join us.
2: Hey, Steve, it's great to be here. And I think I just gave my Canadian hay away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome from my North because I'm in San Diego. So I'm waving across the country and up to you. How are you doing there in Canada? How's everything going?
2: We're doing amazing. We got lots of white sand (laughs) blowing around and hopefully that will soon melt. So I'm excited to be here.
1: Are you taking advantage of it in playing in it as far as snowboarding, uh, skiing, making snowmen, anything like that?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, my snowman days are over. My daughters are a little bit older now, but uh, definitely the skiing portion of it for sure.
1: Any grandkids? I forgot to ask that. No, earlier. I don't have no, no grandkids. It's... No, well,
2: there's... You... the girls are 16, so thank God.
1: Okay, that's right. They're not old <laughs> enough yet. Well, the grandkids on my end, I have a 19-year-old, a 11-year-old, a 5-year-old and a three-year-old and i get to now relive being a teenager or a kid through them going playing in the snow we just went up to big bear two weeks ago and took the sleds and went up there going to the beach and making a sandcastle so you definitely have something to look forward to yeah and i knew you didn't look like a grandma but i was a grandpa about (laughs) 18 years ago by adopting because my son adopted somebody so you never know in these days you never
2: know it's exactly (laughs) right but i appreciate the sediment You're
1: welcome. Well, let's talk about a little bit more about you. Now I gave you some intro on the bio, but let's have the audience here from your perspective, when you're explaining kind of who you are and what your passion is and what you do with your life on a daily and weekly basis, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do with your energies and your talents. And so we can learn more about you from your perspective.
2: Oh, thanks, Steve. You know what? I believe that, you know, everybody's story, whatever it may happen to be really is about trying to make somebody else the hero of that story. Right. And it's never, about me, it's always about the other person. And so I'm intuitively very curious about other people. And I really hate to talk about myself, quite honestly, I I like to learn more about, you know, who's Steve and what makes Steve tick. And, and, but most specifically, you know, you talk a lot about purpose. And my purpose really is to help others move forward in their greatness. I want to be in the shadow of their greatness, not mine. And so that takes a lot of questions and answers and just sitting and listening, really listening to people. And from that, you find all kinds of sound bites and wonderful gems that you can build business businesses from. So.
1: Very true. Yeah, I know you're not only great at listening to people, but you also are helping people figure out how to define who they are, what their businesses are, and what they do, and also then in branding. So I want to definitely get into yeah. a few minutes about the expertise <laughs> you have of pulling that out of people because yeah. their story, them being the hero or the heroine, is part of what makes businesses work well. It's part of what attracts yeah. customers or people to others. And so on your own journey, when you realized how important it was to find out more about others or what makes them tick, or or, or what's their own story? Where early in your days, teenage years, high school, wherever it might have been college, where did you realize that something happened in your own path that realized you were maybe not being listened to or that you were seeing how you didn't appreciate others handling stuff. And you said, there's got to be another way. Is there something that kind of went, wait a minute, that doesn't feel right to me or yeah. minute, people deserve X, Y, Z. So I'm just curious how that zest came for you to want to explore that way.
2: Yeah. You know, n- nobody's really ever asked me that before, Stephen. And I appreciate it that you know I have to ponder that for a moment but I do know as a little girl I was always very curious I'm you know entrepreneurial family you know my mom was a nurse and my dad was an RCMP Royal Canadian Mountain Police when they met each other and married and then they bought a farm and they quit you know their day jobs and became these amazing entrepreneurs but I was an only child and so I think as an only child I looked at things very differently right because I never had that interaction with with siblings and so forth and so, I was an old soul at a young age, but I was always wondering why people did what they did and how they did it. And I think that's just intuitively part of my nature. And so, sitting and listening and, and really just being conscious of my surroundings and, you know, asking questions that others weren't asking is really, I think, where it all started. And, you know, fast forward many years later, I'm just, I love people, um, but I'm an introvert at heart. So I think that's kind of, it's odd. I like my alone time, but maybe that is because I was an only child and spent a lot of time in here rather than communicating. So Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, people think I'm an extrovert and I am in a lot of cases, but I love my alone time as well. Yeah. You know, I've really learned to really over the years really enjoy i mean i've got a wife and i've got kids and i came from a family of four five brothers sharing bunk beds with you know growing up so i think when i got older the serenity of having that Alone time for reflection, and internal inventory of your own self, and curiosity and learning. So I'm with you right on that. I mean, all yeah, of us need I, to have that. I love that. all
2: the noise. You know, when you you know, there's nothing greater than going to a, a place for four or five days, and there's a bunch of people, and there's all kinds of noise. But for me, it's like okay, I like enough. Like I need my time alone, right? And yes. I, I get I get not so crank. I get a little cranky when I don't get it. So yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> have you incorporated in your own practices any kind of a daily or weekly ritual? That is your, you know, like your routine of uh, going internal or any. Yeah,
2: I call it my think tank.
1: Your think tank. And my
2: think tank is actually my bathtub.
1: Got it. Perfect.
2: (laughs) And so, you know, that that's my time to just decompress with my notebook and take a few moments to collect my thoughts. And sometimes that's where the best thoughts happen, quite honestly.
1: Well, that think tank, is that what brought you to the four pillars and your philosophy that you started building in that think tank? Is that where they started developing?
2: No, you know, that's an interesting question. I think that's like most things, right? It took me a long time to figure out my why. I knew that I was getting up in the morning. I was doing the things that I like to do, you know, helping people and this abundance mindset. But I really couldn't articulate what my why was until actually just recently, quite honestly, I found a a business coach that really just could pull it out of me in a unique way. And I think that's really important is that we all need to surround ourselves with specific types of people to help us along the journey. And so once I figured that out, I figured out, you know, what Those are my grounding. Those are the legs on my table. Those are what hold me fast. And when I'm in a state of confusion, or when you know, we feel like we're just our backs are against the wall, and it happens to all of us, right? That's what's really grounds me and says, Okay, I need to figure out am I living my purpose in this moment? And if I'm not, then how do I adapt my behavior to be living in that purpose, regardless of whether that's good or bad?
1: I love that. How do I adapt my behavior to live into my purpose? I love that Well. Have to have that as a hashtag in one of the show notes for sure. (laughs) Obviously, this path and this thinking that you have has led you to to create some good success for yourself in helping others. So I know uh, Noel, who was our engineer there on slide four, there it popped you on magazines. It's popped you on different places. You've been featured. So Noel, let's pop up slide four there. Tell me about how that thinking of having this looking for your aligned purpose brought you to being disruptive. Because it sounds like maybe Mm -hmm. one of the things you found is that when you're finding your purpose or you're looking. these paths with people, sometimes that is disruptive, and you've become kind of a specialist in that. So can you talk about how that journey of pulling that out of yourself or others leads to this, this, sometimes you have to be fearless in going on that exploration internally, or in your businesses to really look under the hood of yourself or your business and figure out what's working and whatnot, and how you can overcome. So you do that with pillars of success, you do that with philosophy, you help people dig in their brand, but you also end up on different things like this being in this authority magazine of helping being a female, but being in the disruptive space. So talk me about the disruptive space. And then I want to come back and not forget about asking you about your mentors and coaches, but let's jump on this first.
2: Well, I think disruptive is a word that is, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but I think, you know, We're not disruptive. If you do the ordinary, really extraordinary, you're disruptive because most people don't take the time to do the regular act. It's like the follow up. Think about the follow up, Steve. If you're in the follow up of us, most people, you know, don't do follow up really, really well. They have a conversation, they spend a lot of time, you know, trying to get on that phone call with somebody and they have a great phone call and then they drop the ball afterwards. Well, being disruptive just means do the normal. Normal really, really well, and then you are disruptive because ninety-five percent of the other people aren't doing the normal really well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that you need to have this big, massive disruptive thought or you know strategy. I think you just need to really understand what the normal is and do it really well.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when you're when you're looking to realize, okay, I'm doing this really well, and I'm at the top of my game in my industry, yeah. and that maybe is indicators because of customer reviews growing business, increase profitability, expanding more products. What then, like even on the cover of this magazine, it says three things you can do to continue to shake things up. Like once you're doing the norm really well, what are things that you then also do to help people raise the game even further? And whether that's shaking things up internally with themselves or business, or that's shaking things up in the industry, what can people then do from there?
2: I think that you need to understand people. We are in the people business. And I know we hear that often, right? Steve, we, you know, like be people first and people-driven. And and when companies are looking and individuals are looking at either starting a brand or they already have a brand, they're looking at rebranding, they're looking at their messaging, you have to remember that people buy from emotion. They don't buy from features. They don't buy from benefits. Those are the byproducts, right? And if you're always talking about delivering value, then you're just talking about delivering value. You're actually not delivering value. You're only, you know, you're the mouthpiece, but you're not actually taking the necessary action. And your action should always speak more than any of the words that you actually come out of your mouth. And so I think people often, you need to take a lot of action in order to actually really truly add value to somebody's life. And part of that is actually taking a moment to actually listen to your customers.
1: I love that. Yeah, we are in the people business and remembering that every day and then the action. I mean, I think Nike summed it up one of the best ways when they came up with that slogan of just do it, but knowing what to do with a purposeful intent is crucial. So we have to wrap up the segment. We're gonna come back, but let's make sure everyone comes back and listens more about Lisa, about purpose, about people, about taking action, about raising the game. I'm gonna come back and ask her about some of her mentors and some of the coaching she's received, but then I wanna jump into, she's got some real expertise on on understanding brands, understanding how people are adapting to brands and maybe how to help you even consider reshaping or looking further in your own brand. So come back and join us. We'll be right back on the Alchemy of Business. Hi, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business Show. We are having some very deep conversations in ways because they're about people. They're about purpose, and they are about making a difference and creating value. So we have uh, Lisa here, Lisa Patrick on our show, and we were talking about mentors and mentorship and coaching. So I wanted to ask you, Lisa, when you were younger, growing up, do you remember having your first kind of someone who you considered being a someone you wanted to emulate or that you considered mentor that mentored you, whether it was in sports or school, do you remember that time when you went, Oh, that's different than a teacher, but that's like a mentor to me or mentorist to me.
2: Yeah, I used to downhill race as a a kid, uh, like racing, like snow racing, Mm -hmm. so alpine skiing. And I had a really great coach. And that coach really didn't work just on the technical skills, but worked actually on the emotional skills and on the mindset that you needed when that gate opened, you know, where did your headspace need to be? And that felt and looked differently than any school sports that I had been in. I played, you know, volleyball and I played basketball and I curled, I did all kinds of things, but that coach. That was the first time, like when I looked back and started to reflect at the time, I didn't have enough emotional intelligence to know what was happening. But when I reflected, that was probably the first time that I can recall a coach that was more of a mentor from a mindset space, not from a technical space.
1: And did you find that when you did tune into that, your emotional intelligence, and we're going to in later segments, talk about emotional intelligence, intellect, spiritual intelligence, artificial intelligence. But when you started clicking into that, did you realize that this person that was tapping into that side of even if you didn't know how to define at that time was it changing or helping your performance in a significant way?
2: Uh, yeah I did 100% like working with that particular coach that year I had better race times than I ever had before and it wasn't equated to technical skill it was definitely a mindset skill that had changed. Now I didn't know that at the time but when I reflected back that was definitely the pivoting moment.
1: And as you now have evolved and becoming more of an emotional intelligence master that you are.
2: Uh, well uh, I like to think, I try to. Anyway, Steve, I don't know if I'm a master.
1: I, I would sure. say you've definitely evolved way, way past where you are yeah. You're into that upper a, upper echelon standpoint. It's a few
2: <laughs> years later, though, right? We, both you and I got a few for few us years all. under we our. We got the our bumps our and bruises and scars to exactly. prove it, right? Yeah, so When did you start? In the morning.
1: <laughs> That's right. When did you get into realizing that that might be beneficial for you in a business capacity that uh, you mentioned that your parents were very serious, successful entrepreneurs? Uh, I don't know if they were mentors. in oh,
2: fashion. 100% they were mentors. I mean, there's no question they still are today. You know, if I'm seeking certain advice, and I'm just not sure and I need to trust that advice. Clearly I'm going to my parents still to this Mm -hmm. day, right? And I'm grateful that they're still here to give me that advice. But looking, you know, I had a macroeconomics teacher in one semester in my university. And in that same year, I actually took it was the, I'm trying to think of the name. It, It was like, you know, the when you look at the stars and the moon, what do you call that? Astronomical physics. Okay, yes. Now, why I would ever have taken, honestly, I do not know what, like if I had gone to the bar the night before and chose my (laughs) classes, how I ended up in this astronomical physics class because I'm not mathematically inclined. Anybody who knows me well knows that. But it was was really interesting to work that side of my brain differently. And the professor that I had was really great at facilitating his sessions with real life experiences. And I had never had that before in, in my educational career or educational life, not career. But it was very interesting. And as I got to know that professor better, I began to realize the power of messaging and I'd never ever had experienced that before and then my best friend's brother actually who is a research scientist at Oxford University was thesis he was talking about how to reverse the cataracts in sheep eyes and he explained it like a radio and here was a professor in a university that was you know extremely intelligent that could dumb down ideas and I thought wow what a gift that is if we can figure out how to really simplify messages in a unique way that just resonates. We win at many different things, not just in life, but in business.
1: Wow, that's powerful. Well, realizing the power of messaging, you've been an expert at that I want to spend, the, we got about six or so minutes left in this segment. I want to talk then roll into that because that's a good segue. You were just noted and there's a global designation that they uh, have for people, whether it's in teaching or business or entrepreneurship, leadership, thought leadership. Yeah. And you were just awarded in the branding category in the top 30 gurus a number 17 mm-hmm. in the global world world. So how did you get on this path of understanding the importance of messaging for your Um, own messaging? Or how did you get to this place that you're looked at now on this level? What is it that you do for your clients or in this importance of finding messaging that you make it simple like your professor did that took complex things and made it more simplified? How do you do that? The
2: best advice I ever got was from an amazing woman. Her name was Patricia and, and Oh, I know Patricia, yes. I like the best advice I ever got is Patricia sitting on my shoulder telling me, Lisa, specificity builds credibility. Don't use words like stuff and things. and Oh, I remember. Yes. Right. Like, and she's known for that. But every time we'd have a conversation uh, when we were doing business together, she would correct my vocabulary, you know, the way that I would present my and articulate my conversation. And so lots of what I learned early was really some of the work from Patricia, just really thinking and listening and simplifying messages and being very specific about those messages.
1: Yeah. Patricia's great. I remember going to a mm-hmm. conference that she had for about 30 people. It was in Las Vegas. It must have been 20, 15, 20 years ago now. And it was where we had a three-day weekend. It was about fine-tuning your own messaging. And from a speaking standpoint, you had to get up in yeah. front of the group and do a speech. Yeah. And then they videotaped it. And she critiqued you in front of everyone uh, and gave you like, she's brutal. She's like, she is oh, so good. But she she's so, so good. She's so empathetically sharp though in how she, yeah. it's like, whoa. And it's so clear and so valuable. But it was like the difference that we I saw in people from, say, Friday afternoon till Sunday afternoon of getting more specific their messaging and in their presentation skills. Patricia Fripp, we'll put that in a show note as well, because she's still out doing her work, I believe. She's great. She
2: is 100%. She's still the Spitfire.
1: Yes, she is. Well, that's another form of your mentoring and coaching and stuff that you get to help better. So when people are looking on their, what have you seen that's changed in messaging for, you were talking earlier about your segment about people and the value of people Mm -hmm. and about the emotional connection. I know one of the things that you have done a lot of work in is some of the work that Tony Alessandro did with the Platinum Rule, which also I'm assuming helps in branding. I went through that program and some of the stuff that Tony did, oh God, many, many years ago when I was managing real estate companies and real estate agents. And we taught that in our sales program about the Platinum Rule, about understanding mm-hmm. the analytical, the amiable, the controller, et cetera, and how personality styles from either one-on-one presentation or in marketing can really help. So Noel, let's uh, show slide number six and what makes humans tick. How did you meet Tony and how did you incorporate some of his work into your branding work that you do?
2: Oh my gosh, Mr. Tony Alessandra. I mean, I just have no words to explain that he's just an amazing human, but I think because I have a private investigation background and a law enforcement background, I was prac practicing the platinum rule long before I even knew what the platinum rule was. Uh, And I couldn't articulate it in a way. So for those of you who are listening, who don't know what the platinum rule is, the golden rule tells us treat others how we'd like to be treated. But it's flawed in many ways, because what if I want to be treated a certain way? And Steve, you want to be treated differently. And I'm treating you like I want to be treated. My message is never, ever going to sink into your brain, because you're so busy trying to understand what I'm telling you because I'm speaking in a language that's foreign to you. And so we need to better understand who the other person is that we're articulating to. And so when you practice the platinum rule, treat others how they'd like to be treated, doesn't mean that you're changing who you are at the core. It means that you're adapting your communication style so that the message is received in a way that you understand you being the other person across from the table. And it's very powerful. It's not only powerful in the power of language and conversation but it's powerful for branding. Because if I'm speaking in tonality in my, on my, we'll just use a landing page, for instance, and I'm talking to somebody who needs all the facts and figures to make a decision, and I'm being very direct and I'm being very ideation, they're never going to make a decision on, on, they're going to leave long before you even get to the selling proposition. So you need to really understand who your target audience is and who you're speaking to, and then speak in that language, in that conversation, Mm -hmm. not from a place of what you believe it to be true.
1: And with the uh, platinum rule, if any of those we will also put that in the show note, you can get the book, there's uh, websites and training on it's
2: a really great book. Tony just came out with an amazing book right now. It's called What Makes Humans Tick. Phenomenal book. I recommend it for every single person in the world. It talks about personality styles and how to communicate more effectively and how to adapt and how people are motivated based on their personalities.
1: Yeah, and his original Platinum Rule work did that. And he also took it and made it very simplified. I mean, many people yeah. have heard of the disc, uh, which can be very intense and, and very you know detailed and it's great stuff. But the Platinum Rule really broke it down into more, simplified way. I think it was A quick quiz that you used to take was like 18 questions and then you would add it up. And so we would use that for our salespeople, our customers, et cetera. But it also teaches you things like how someone, how you shake your hand, what they wear, what colors they wear, Mm -hmm. the rapid of their speech. So that when you're in a one-on-one presentation with them, if you're talking to them, if you're a controller, amiable, and they're an analytical, et cetera, it does allow you to adjust this behavior. But Lisa, when people are online so much right now in the digital world, and especially during COVID, everything got so tech oriented. We have about two minutes left in the segment, about a minute, 30 seconds, but I wanna come back and talk some more about this, but how how does someone understand and learn to adapt from that one-on-one when I'm with you and I can kind of read you and see how you are versus mm-hmm. how do I know what to put in my landing page or how do I know what to put in my website or how do I know what my audience is? And I think some of the things you've done well and the reason you got to the guru level was that you have simple formulas that we'll come back and talk about. But if you gave us just a closing thought or two of what people can start doing, to realize their, how to find out who their audience is, to engage and direct their branding? What would be some closing words you'd have in, before we get yeah. to the next segment?
2: Imagine how that person feels after they've worked with you, after they've had your product. What do they feel like? Then talk about that transformation. That should be the very first thing you should ever talk about, is what is their life like after they've used your product, if it's a product, or that you they've had a service with you that you've provided them value through a service? What does that emotion and then work backwards?
1: Got it. So finding out how people want to feel and what they want to experience after working with you or your product, and then finding ways in your languaging, your messaging, your colors that would engage that to start happening. Good. We're going to come talk more about that. You also have some roadmaps for helping with branding. You also have some go-to market strategies. I know you've helped startups and you help existing companies. So I want to come back and we'll talk more about incorporating this. You also have ways to incorporate this into a leadership standpoint, because really what you and I know is that it's, starts at the top. And sometimes the top is yourself as a solo entrepreneur. Sometimes you are the top if you're a solo company, but sometimes it is large organizations where you have employees and salespeople. So figuring out how to get this messaging through the organization and to help leaders equip to connect and contribute or things you do really well on. So I hope everyone will come back and listen in on the Alchemy of Business show. We'll be back more with Lisa and digging deeper on some of the branding things you can do to help bring more customers that fit you in an emotional connection way that you both will enjoy. So come back and join. Hello, and thank you for signing back into the Alchemy of Business Show. Whether you are listening on your iPhone and some earbuds, or you might be watching us on E360 TV or YouTube or Roku somewhere, however you got here, we are glad you're here on the Alchemy of Business Show. We are here always talking about wiser decisions, creating greater profits in your life and work, and then also higher purpose. And Lisa's been sharing with us on how to do that through branding and messaging, whether it's in a one-on-one conversation, whether that's in your own branding. So Lisa, in your own work, you have your own brand that you do through apps and podcasts and marketing. So let's talk about your own stuff. And then how do you help clients do what you do? Because you also are trying to reach out and connect. So you're walking your talk. So let's have you take us through some of the processes that you go through for our audience and for some people that can't see this slide and it's only audio. Let's make sure we're describing some of the visuals. And for those that can see it, we'll have the benefit of seeing these cool wheels and things that you have.
2: Sure. So right now, you know, you've got this slide up about a company that I co-founded with a wonderful gentleman by the the name of Lauren Rubis. And Lauren came to me several years ago and we sat down with an idea on a napkin about how might he create greater conditions of belonging within organizations, but more specifically with remote and hybrid teams. And what would that look like if we were to take the system that he'd had the 40 years of corporate experience sitting in the C-suite and working with multiple companies and systemize it in a way that you could bring it to, to market. And so him and I talked in great deal about how do you do that and what does that look like and what you see here is a five-step system and this system allows people to really like we couldn't have planned the product market launch better if we had tried because when we first were having a conversation about you know creating these conditions of belonging in remote teams really was a whisper in the marketplace you know people were still having water cooler conversations this was pre-pandemic and then the pandemic hit and we were still testing in the market. Which what I like to call a minimal delightful product, where we're trying to figure out, you know, what would be our minimal viable product in the market. And do we have something that's got legs and an ability to really drive this thought of connection virtually? Like, imagine that, connection virtually, and now here we are, <laughs> how many years later, right? I or know, like, no
1: doubt, yeah. You know,
2: in a corporate, right? Where nobody was real, like, they didn't even know what Zoom was. You right, know, had right, Teams right. and what have you. So anyways, and fast forward many, you know, three years later and here we are. But the idea really is, is about creating those conditions for people to thrive, um, to have moments of, at one particular team, and uh, no names, but the actual CEO uh, was there, there with his c-suite and there were, there were 10 members at the table and you know he learned things about his team that he never knew and those conversations would never happen at the water cooler you know he learned uh, 15 years working with one of his colleagues you know very specific family details that he would never have asked those questions and those conversations are about people and when you can show up as yourself and you can contribute and you can be recognized and you can fail and still move forward in those team environments it can happen virtually and it can happen in a hybrid team as well but those create magic in in a team and in the performance of that team and not just in the team but across teams as well we've had teams that have come in and done you know one from one division and another and another and you know broken silos of, of conversation and connection and contribution with each other to the point where when we're done our sessions they keep continuing to have those meaningful conversations virtually. And that's so important. And that's about people. That has nothing to do with systems and processes and, and getting work done. It has to do with being you know, aware and open to having those conversations and people just want to connect now, I think more than ever.
1: Yeah, that's so true. Well, this graph that we'll also have in the show notes is a link. It's got five different categories. One is being, one is connect, two is contribute, three is then to clarify, four is to differentiate, and then five is to advance. So which of those categories of the five do you have, do you find that, is there a certain one of those of that pie that people get stuck on the most, or are they pretty spread out of connecting things?
2: Yeah. You know what? It's interesting that you asked that because of the teams that we've done, we always ask the question, which of the five sessions was your favorite? And we've all, everyone has said something different. So I think it depends on the person emotionally where they are. Maybe they're having trouble clarifying their own individual purpose to the company's purpose, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe they're just trying to figure out how do I differentiate being the same is not working. And we need to figure out what does that look like as a team? What does that look like as an individual? Or maybe it's just connection and it's having those meaningful conversations and being vulnerable in the moment. A lot of leaders are afraid to be vulnerable, but vulnerability can move mountains very quickly. And we're all just human. We're human showing up at the table first.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I found vulnerability even in my own path when I was rising the corporate ladder going from being a manager to an executive to the CEO of a Warren Buffett Berkshire Hathaway company. In the early yeah. days, I thought, oh, I've got the suit and tie on. I'm the leader. I have to stand in front of the room and give exactly. the speeches yeah. like I know everything and, I, and they have nothing to fear. And it was when I started becoming way more vulnerable and started becoming more adaptable. And and mm-hmm. um, uh, part of it actually was from a life-threatening thing that I had happen and the, the whole company knew about it. And I had to stand in front of an audience of almost a thousand people and come back weeks later and you know, live through it, but talking about what it is like from that and being on a stage about how certain behaviors can lead to things that are not good for us in our lives. And it led to some really standing in front of a group of people just kind of being raw. And it changed the trajectory of how I interacted from that point forward in meetings, conversations, yeah. emails, phone calls, 100%. because the empathy and the concept and the knowledge and the wisdom and the insight that I got back from people, they noticed a significant change on how I switched from being the suit and tie guy that was positive. And upbeat, and we can do it all. To also then being vulnerable and receptive, and to a degree wounded, in a way to have a wounded leader still be able to lead the group. So it was a very powerful shift for me. So I appreciate you bringing that up.
2: I think it's important that we we are all human, right? We all make mistakes. We all fall down. We all need help getting back up. And doesn't matter if you have a billion dollars in your bank account or you have a dollar in your bank account. We all still have the same human troubles. And we all want a place to belong. And at the end of the day, when you create those safe spaces for people to show up and feel like they belong, it's funny because as kids, we're taught, you know, oh, you know, try to fit in you know, try to find your tribe, try to, you know, try to be who everybody else is right. Or at least that's the image that we think, but yet as adults, we're always trying to stand out and look different and sound different and be different. And so it's kind of ironic.
1: It is. It is. And the world is more and more open to, so diversity, difference, yeah. uniqueness, and that's how music, celebrities, yeah. art, new companies, new products get created. And I think you're right about COVID. It kind of, it's not that some of these things with zoom and other products of medical stuff with doctors on apps that you're doing wouldn't have come about, mm-hmm. but I believe that COVID probably accelerated that by at least yeah. 10 years. It just sped it up into a trajectory of allowing, and it, it connected people more, but it also distanced people more to a degree. And so finding a way to use technology to bring this contribution together in engaging and heartful, soulful ways in either your brand, your product, your customer, or with your team is crucial. So, you know, COVID has done a lot of damage in the world and it's also done a lot of good, good and a yeah. lot of change because in life as people, sometimes pain is the only way we grow and learn. And that oh, can it- be- it's
2: the fast, it's definitely the fastest lesson in life, for sure. Yeah. We don't learn as fast in the success. We learn in pain and failure. I know,
1: darn, I hate that part. I know, so it sucks, <laughs> but that's the
2: reality, right? I, it's it like, is so true. <laughs>
1: and when you realize that and you get it, you go, okay, this is pain. Yeah. So I know there's some good yeah. lessons coming from this. Yeah, you make exactly. Pain. Yeah, and and you
2: might not see them right away either. I remember once right. a long time ago, somebody says, oh, you always find the silver lining and everything, right? And I'm like, yeah, but then what's the point? If you can't find a silver lining, then you haven't learned a lesson, yeah, right? Exactly. Like
1: so yeah. and, the, and the quicker you're looking for realizing that in that, in that pain, and it you're right, it's sometimes years later, sometimes it's, it's in so, completely yeah. unexpected ways. And sometimes it's through others that experience it. A lot of times it's been through my family or others that I realized there was a transition in them because of how something that happened to me and I showed up and I carried it forward in a legacy of my ecosystem that I was in. And I kept thinking yeah. it was going to be my lesson. And in some <laughs> cases it was lessons coming back, being reflected to me through others in really powerful ways. So, yeah. You know, it's, a, it's,
2: it's interesting. I had a call with a gentleman here just a couple of days ago and you're know, talking about his brand and, you know, he lived in his car as a young man, you know, he was struggling couch surfing and what have you. And he happened to hear a passage from Michael Gerber and that yeah. changed the trajectory of his life. And so we were looking, I was looking at his brand and I said, so, you know, it took me about 45 minutes to get him to kind of really open up and ta- to talk about his story, right? Whatever that may happen to, be but in his particular case that was his story and I said that's why you want to talk about that what were the lessons that you learned after you picked up that book from Michael Gerber you know that's what your community wants to hear about they don't want to see a pretty logo and all this other wonderful stuff that you have that's great but they want to hear from you that you they know that you live that same thing and that you're the expert to help them now and that's really important we need to figure out what those stories are right
1: yeah well and that's what's part of what on the branding I I think being not afraid to talk about things that maybe seemed at the time embarrassing, shameful, not as important that you thought maybe to others are certain things in our stories right. of our own journeys. I mean, I talk openly on my website in my speeches about overcoming alcoholism. I was a rising CEO. and you know, Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It's one of the best things I ever did in my life. And I haven't had a drink in 19 years. But you know, during that path, when you're putting on the suit and tie every day, and you're going out in the world, and then you're drinking like a fish at night and coming back and trying to do it yeah. the next day, your soul starts to get chipped away and diminished and things start deteriorating. And so I realized staying on that course was not going to help me at all. It was going to ruin me. But in coming out and just saying, okay, I overcame that. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. I realized that was something I had to get really vulnerable about. And there are so many other people that can relate to some form of addiction or vulnerability. So these things and our messaging is crucial,
2: right? Like you reached out for help and there's nothing wrong with, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, who are my coaches and mentors in my life. And, and I think that, you know, The best money, not money, but the best thing that I get in return is watching the sparks in the eyes of my customers and my clients when all these little pieces, all these little strings start to actually make sense. And it's not talking about the features of their products or the benefits of their products. It's really about what is the emotional impact that that product or that your service has on the other person. And Articulating that in a way—that's what the best brands do.
1: Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, it's—it's that you've said it a few times. That human is—we are all humans—and as Wayne Dyer talked about, one of the great spiritual Mm -hmm. writers and teachers, you know, he said we're not only all humans, but we're all humans—we're all spiritual beings having a human experience, and that—that connection of whatever people might define that to be—and in that is that yearning and the way that people can feel or get things the most is through that power of emotion. And yeah. so in tapping into that, there is such depth and power in making someone laugh, making someone cry, being empathetic with them, connecting on something that was soulful versus intellect. That's what you great planning or conversation thinking. can do.
2: Exactly. You don't want to be that icky, sleazy, slimy, you know, thought leader, results leader in the world. You want to be that person who, you know, people can relate to that they feel like they belong beside that they're running with, right? And that takes, you know, some real thought into kind of pulling that emotion out. And so I'm told that's what I'm good at. (laughs)
1: You are good at that. I've experienced it. I'm experiencing again, and I would concur. Well, we're going to come back and we were going to do the uh, instantly interesting Instagram on this segment. We're going to do the beginning of the next segment. And then we're going to get into talking about beyond this emotional intelligence you were referencing earlier. We're going to come back and talk about spiritual intelligence. And that also is another layer and level of this emotional connection with others and curious on what that would be for you. So we're going to come back and talk about that. I did want to note for the show notes and for the listeners, Lisa was mentioning about Michael Gerber. If you haven't read any, of his work or checked him out. He wrote a book called E-Myth and then E-Myth mm-hmm. Revisited. Uh, he actually lives in San Diego. He's uh, someone who really shook up about the process of being an entrepreneur, the processes, the myths about being an entrepreneur. So he's done some really great work. So we'll make sure we get that in the show notes as well. So thanks for noting all these. See, when you're in that guru category, you get to name all these other gurus because you're now in the club there, Lisa. <laughs> oh, I don't
2: know about that, but anyways, I kind of hate the word guru, quite honestly, because it, it implies or, or the word expert expert that you've done learning and you were, ne- you know, we're never not, not done learning.
1: To me, it means that you've learned and you've gotten to a very high level and you're willing to share it with mm-hmm. others. So you'll yeah, wear that badge with on. That's a good, good way to put it. All right. Well, everyone, hopefully you are, if you're listening in or viewing or watching us, we've got one segment left here on the Alchemy of Business show. Come back and join us with Ms. Lisa Patrick. Thank you. Thank you for listening back in on the Alchemy of Business Show. If you're viewing or listening, we are glad that you are back. We're here with Lisa Patrick, who is a serial entrepreneur, a teacher, a podcaster, a writer, a global guru on brands. We've been having some fascinating conversations about what makes her tick and how do you find out what makes others tick? And then how can you pull them into your branding, your conversations, and the way you interact with others for your products or your services or just having a more engaging life? Lisa, we always do a segment on here called Instantly Interesting Instagram. I keep wanting this booming voice we're going to get over the podcast with music at some segment, like it's this segment, but we know that social media and Instagram and various things are, are ways that people are connecting. And mm-hmm. I know you do stuff with yourself on social media and you help others, but we went through and we pulled out, uh, we have only three quick rules here. And if you can't see the screen, I'm going to read these off for those that are not viewing. All we are doing is we go take a quick dive on the photos of our guest on their Instagram feed. We then pull up a couple just uh, interesting photos without any context. And then we ask the guest to share very quickly to tell us more about what's happening in that particular mm-hmm photo in that moment. So oh, we are going to jump in. And so for those that can't view this, I'm going to go ahead and describe this. So this is Lisa looking out of a window. She looks like she's in a very tall building. It's a little bit of a hazy sky and it looks like she's so intent on something. I have no idea what she's looking at. So what was happening in this photo, Lisa?
2: Well, this is at the Calgary Tower last summer with my daughters. And I was down there uh, visiting a client actually. And I was looking out the window and I was watching all the people on the street moving around. And I was. Thinking thinking to myself about my daughters and how lucky I was to be there in that moment with them. And what was the legacy? How was I going to continue to be, you know, showing up like all these little people scurrying around below for my girls? And what would that look like? And, And the weight of that, right, of really just being a great mom, a good businesswoman, a wife, a daughter, you know, and what does that feel and look like? And I was just thinking, reflecting on those thoughts.
1: I love that. Well, that word legacy and the power of legacy, it kind of plays into what you were talking about earlier about trying to realize what your customers, you're believing they want to feel or what emotion they want to have, projecting that out. Our legacy is even that in a bigger 50,000 foot level for our life. And if you're living into your life and that big thinking like you are for your daughters or others and for all our listeners or viewers, what is your own legacy? Do you have a definition of what that is? Have you described it? Do you have it written? down are you living into that lisa was talking about earlier about making sure you're adjusting your behaviors to live into your brand and your mission that's the same within your life your leggies is like your mission of your life so i love that photo that now that you explained it that way
2: my daughter took the photo actually and so when she showed me all the because she took a bunch of photos and when she showed this she goes mom what were you thinking about then and so it was interesting that she had captured that moment
1: Oh, that is. That's even more powerful. That's wonderful. I love that. Okay, let's go to the next one here. We have somebody who's looking like they're upside down on their head because we see two (laughs) boots in the air with somebody (laughs) who's got shoes or boots. And then the quote is the misunderstood role of personal branding within organizations. Lisa Patrick. So what's going on here?
2: Well, I think that there's this misguided Conception of in organizations that personal brand does not belong in the organization. What I challenge organizations is to say, create policies and guidelines so that the people in your organization can create brand. Because when they create brand and they're your biggest advocate, that goes way farther in the marketplace as advocates and as awareness than your you know, millions of dollars throwing against your Actual company brand. And it's backwards. It's upside down. And most organizations are so worried about losing their people and that they're going to create create their own brand and leave that they don't recognize the value and the power of the people in the organization.
1: Wow, I love that. Well, especially in this day and age of social influencers and everybody that is their own brand, whether someone wants to be or not, using that as a plus, as my friend David Corbin talks about in Illuminate, his book Illuminate, that is your best advocate, your people, your employees, and having them be your ambassadors. I love that. And that's why it's upside down. And that's why this person's shoes are up in the air and not their head. Okay, good. Next show, we've got Lisa with her... (laughs) palm out into the screen that has written on her palm of her hand kindness empathy invest in others with a heart a little heart there so where were you at here and what's this about
2: well you know this is a good one it was really uh, about i think that when we we need a reminder right being nice looks different than being kind you know being there in the moment for somebody is different than being empathetic in the moment. Just because there are a lot of people in this world, especially now, who are not alone, but they're very lonely. And, you know, we need to be investing in others. And that's from a kindness and an empathy perspective. And so that's, I wrote the down that day and I don't recall exactly, I know that something happened that day that I needed to write that down and talk about it. Um, I don't remember what it was, but that is really the essence of that.
1: Well, that's powerful and universal. And that's going to flow perfectly in our next segment going into the Iggy, inviting good in. That's perfect. Was there another slide there, Noel, or did we have all those in? Okay. Well, let's jump into that hand up in the air about kindness and empathy and yeah. those words and investing in others. One of the things that I like to talk about on this podcast, because it's passionate to me and it's passionate to the guests that I have on, otherwise I wouldn't be aligning with them to be inviting them on the show, nor would they be interested in coming on is <laughs> uh, is about this thing that I call Iggy. So Iggy is inviting good in or inviting mm-hmm. God in with the acronym of IGI. And I came up with this after reading in my early days, a lot of stuff from Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra mm-hmm. and many other. Spiritual thought leaders that talked a lot about ego, and ego was edging good out or edging God out. So I wrote this book called The Iggy Principles, and it's just a simple thing that I talk to people about. What's what's your Iggy? What is it that you define as your own spiritualness? I call that you know spiritual intelligence. We have this thing you were talking about earlier there. If you can see our screen for those that are viewing, we have a brain here with a side of someone's head, like in just a figure here, and we've got EQ, which is emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. and that's parallel processing on the right brain, and then we have iq that's been talked about for many many years and people take great pride in what their iq is and this is intelligence where it's serial processing on the left brain and then in the top of the brain i've got a little illustration here of sq which is spiritual intelligence which is basically synchronizing the whole processing within the whole brain it's integrating the whole organic process and then tapping into the wi-fi signal of whatever that might be for someone in their own definition of once that wi-fi signal goes from your brain or your thought to somewhere else out in the universe the world i call it that whatever that person's spiritual intelligence is and how do they adapt that into their life and business? So Lisa, that question for you, how do you define your own spiritualness or your own spiritual intelligence and how are you using that in your life and work?
2: Well, I believe there's a higher power. I don't know that it's God or it's ape or we came from apes or whatever anybody believes. I do believe though that there is a higher power and that, you know, each and every day when we meet somebody, they're put on our path for a reason. And sometimes we don't know what that is. And sometimes we do know what that is. And maybe, you know, five years later, 10 years later, we get to meet. Look, you know, Steve, we met at Cherry Tree's Bank Code Conference. How many years ago was that now? Four or five years yeah, ago? Yeah, okay,
1: four or five years yeah. ago, yeah.
2: And here we are having a conversation today. Why were we put in that same room? Was it to have this conversation? Was it to have more conversations? Was it just to get to know each other? There are things in the world in the universe that are unexplained and happen for a reason. And then there's always a lesson to it, whatever that may happen to be. That's kind of where my spirituality lies, that I do believe that, you know, we have a path and we make choices along the path. But each choice is just like, a, you know, when we were kids, I don't know if when you were a kid, but we didn't have all this technology that I right, know, right. your grandchildren and my children have. And right. so we had to have a book and we you, know, you got to choose your path. And every time yeah. you rewrote the path, that's you know, right. open the book again, you took a different path in the story, right? Right. Well, that's what I believe our life is 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 a path. And every choice that we make takes us, you know, down other paths. And had I not at, you know, very early in my career become a private investigator, met a gentleman by the name of Dave Rodwell, and met Patricia Fripp, I don't know that my path would look like it does today. It would look very differently. And so I think the people in our path are what teach us the lessons and that's already set out for us. That's what I believe spiritually.
1: And in that crafting of going on your private investigator thing, which not everyone can say they've done or do. Did you it's find that not that, not that, that, that not curiosity not that you had of investigating of it, yeah, and being a private brand investigator brand was finding the ways to find more about those answers, not only in what you've been talking about branding or your business or for the legacy of your girls, that you had this internal Intel chip that you had that caused you in this investigation of life or in people or helping others. I kind of feel like maybe that's been a common theme for you. Yeah, for your, it has
2: been. And where do you I think love that's people come from I love people and I don't know if it's because I was an only child and so I was always thriving to find you know people to connect with or I don't really know and I guess maybe one day I'm gonna have to do the eat pray love like Julia Roberts did and go on my <laughs> journey but I just you know I find people fascinating and the more that I just shut up and listen to what they say the more I learn and mm-hmm. it's it's profoundly interesting
1: yeah it is well for me my definition of spiritual, I'm, I'm also kind of more of a spiritual mud and I just believe that the, I do call the universe God. But I just believe that God is the sum of all that is. God God is just energy. So I just believe that's the sum of all that is. Mm I don't see this white cape Person up in a cloud somewhere. It's energy of all. And the only way that God can express his or herself is through us, through animals, through nature, through trees, through engagement. So to me, we're all expressions and extents of that, just like cells in our body that are yeah. going around. We are that expression of that energy, of that universal higher divinity. So in that energy that's flowing around through you, through your daughters, through your clients, to your mother and father, what is it you're hoping that your legacy, as we're wrapping up here, we have about two minutes left, what is it you want your legacy to be, Lisa? As As you're looking back uh, in that window again, 20 years from now, and your daughters are there maybe taking the picture or whomever, what is it that you're really in your own habits and the things that you talked about earlier of correcting habits or having behaviors that go into Mm -hmm. your brand with your own life? How are you looking for your legacy to be here on the planet?
2: Just that I made a difference in my children's generation. I won't make a difference in my children's children's generation. I think there are very few people in the world that really have a legacy outside of one generation. Very few people. Like we probably you and I could name on our hands and our toes, the number of people that actually but to make a profound impact on my children's generation on them and the life that they have so that they show up as really good humans and that their tombstone says, here lies, you know, Georgia Patrick, here lies Olivia Patrick, and they were profoundly good people. That is a legacy for me.
1: That's powerful. Well, thank you, Lisa, for being here on the Alchemy of Business show today, and I think your daughters are very lucky to have the guru mom that you you are. And uh, thank you for sharing all of your knowledge on your own empathy for others and sharing your gift and wisdom about brand, about connecting, about personalities. We will make sure that our guests here get links to you, but what's the best way for people to find you or reach out to you if they're listening here verbally versus seeing show notes?
2: Yeah. I, you know what? Go to lisapatrick.ca. I offer a half an hour to anyone, even if it's just to have a conversation and just to, you know, have a cup of coffee or go to Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, you'll find me there as well. But yeah, if you go to lisapatrick.ca, that's probably your best bet.
1: Great. So lisapatrick.ca, you'll see how to access her writings, her book, uh, podcast stuff that she's done and just her work in general. We'll have that in the show notes. But thank you again for everyone listening in here on the Alchemy of Business show. We're going to make sure that we are continuing ourselves to find ways to make wiser decisions out in the world and in business. I want to keep encouraging others and myself to find greater profits in our business life so we can invest that back for the good of the world, and also that we're working on higher purpose for the service of the world and that needs it so desperately right now for all of our own gifts and our talents. So thank you for listening in or watching, and we will be back here again on the Alchemy of Business show. Thank you again for listening.
2: Thanks,
0: Steve. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed, and see you soon.